Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter and James and John and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless at the time and told no one what they had seen. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God around us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. So as always, I have three things for our younger listeners and all of you. Uh, to be listening for. The first one, what does God see that we can't? The second one, what do I think that God needs when God looks at us? And the third one, how many times do I say, see? So three things to be listening for. Well, we have before us today these two stories in which God speaks and points out the ones who are chosen. They are stories of people that the world doesn't quite understand and cannot see their potential, but God does. And God is able to guide them and others around them into moments in which the truth of their very selves can shine, quite literally, in Jesus' case. First, we have the story of Samuel and David. Now, at the beginning of the book of 1 Samuel, Israel is not so much a kingdom as it is a loose federation of tribes, And they're experiencing both external threats from the Philistines who want to come in and take all their stuff, and also an internal threat because of corruption inside the priestly house. So it's not a good scene. But God blesses Hannah with a much longed-for son, Samuel, who becomes a prophet. Throughout the story and the many hardships they experience, he is the one who carries on the covenant traditions. And when Saul becomes king, Samuel continues to bring God's prophetic voice and instruction to Saul. When Saul doesn't follow exactly what God says to do, it is Samuel who is sent by God to tell him that God has rejected him, which we read grieves Samuel greatly to do. So the beginning of the story that we heard, God is saying, get over it, Samuel, I made my decision. And now I need you to go and anoint, to set aside, to bless my next king. 
Samuel is real worried because he doesn't know how this is going to go. But he listens to God's voice, and he gets going to find Jesse. And thank goodness Jesse goes along with it and brings all of his sons forward. And as we heard, Samuel sees the son in front, the eldest son, and he thinks, yep, that's clearly the one. But God says, nope. You're just looking on the outside appearance. I'm looking deeper. Try again. So Samuel calls the next brother in line. Abinadab, that's the one. Nope. Try again. How about Shema? Nope. Try again. Seven sons Jesse presented to Samuel, and God kept saying, try again. So Samuel turns to Jesse and says, you got any more sons? Because God seems to think, I'm going to find your next king in this line, but we haven't found him yet. So they round up that last son, and it turns out he's the one. This young child whom no one ever would have guessed was important. Nobody ever even thought to go get David from the field to put him in the lineup. Nobody, that is, but God. Because only God knew the inner workings of his heart. God knew the gifts that had been given to him, and God was ready to call out those gifts. God knew that David trusted God and would do whatever was needed to care for his flock. Now Jesus, you might remember, was also a bit unexpected. We recall that he was born to a young, unwed mother and was laid in a manger, no crib for his head. And yet Magi came from a great distance and at great length to bring him gifts and to show him homage. Jesus Jesus' story makes him seem, on the surface, quite unlikely to be the Christ, the Messiah, the one for which the people had been waiting. And yet, when you get past that surface experience and surface story and look deeper, he is clearly the one that has been chosen. In Jesus' story, we learn from his birth to his baptism that he is God's son, and God has called him beloved. In turn, Jesus has called to and gathered a ragtag bunch of disciples who follow him and do their best to understand him, learn more about God, and do all the things he tells them to do. But even with this FaceTime with Jesus, they can't fully understand the extent of Jesus' call, his vocation, his job. They can't possibly understand that all, Jesus, all that Jesus knows and all that Jesus can see is ahead of him. So Peter and John and James go up with Jesus on this mountain to pray, and all of a sudden, Jesus shines. He shines. He glows. And his disciples' reaction, which totally makes sense, by the way, is to propose that Jesus should stay there. I mean, I can imagine Peter saying, "Uh, Jesus, this is the place for you. You literally shine here. Let's build a house for you and your super important friends, and you can just stay here and keep glowing. But God sent a big old cloud to cover them up and hush them up so that they'll listen. God says, nope, try again. And while you're at it, would you please listen to my son? And they end up following Jesus back down the mountain. 
Friend, we've all been created in God's image. We are all children of God with great gifts and beautiful abilities. I like to imagine that when God looks at all of us, there's so much light shining out from us that God needs sunglasses. Can you imagine if that's how God saw us? All that sparkle and shine emanating from each of us? I mean, so far as we can tell, we don't walk around the world aglow, shining forth the beauty that's within us. That sparkle's gotten covered up by the messiness of this world. We can't always see the ways in which God's light and love and belovedness shines in us personally, let alone in each other. But God still sees it. God sees beneath the layers of grit and of grime that have covered us as we walk through the world, the layers of armor that we put on to try to protect ourselves. And I wonder, I wonder what it would take for us to really see each other, to see what God sees in us, and to believe in and work toward the world that Jesus tells us and shows us is possible. So we've come to that moment in the sermon which, upon some self-reflection, I have realized I often pivot (laughs) to describe some metaphor that I think might help us all to uh, more tangibly connect our lives and understand God's story and how we're all a part of it. And I usually go either toward Broadway musicals or whales. You all know this about me. And today, perhaps surprisingly, as I just told you it was World Whale Day, I'm going to musicals. You see, last week, Tim and I went to see Hades Town at Playhouse Square. This is what Tim and I do for date night. We go see Broadway musicals. And you can tell he is a gem of a husband that he will sit through a Broadway musical with me. Anyway, I didn't know anything about Hades Town other than it was based on a Greek tragedy. Yippee! Just what I wanted for a date night was a good tragedy. Meanwhile, Max, my older son who loves Greek mythology, found out about this musical and started working hard to convince me to ditch Tim and take him to see it instead. (laughs) Nope, try again. The story of Hades Town is the story of Hades, the god of the underworld, and his wife, also a god, Persephone, the one who brings about the changing of the seasons and how their love has seemingly died. It's also the story of Orpheus, a poor boy, and Eurydice, who fall in love. Eurydice is won over by Orpheus' gift of poetry and the ways in which he can imagine the world and their love in bloom. But Eurydice, out of desperation, ends up going to the underworld for what she thinks will be her only means of a sort of survival. And Orpheus goes down after her. Hermes, also a god, narrates this story as he is the guide, the conductor of souls to the afterlife. This modern retelling of the story has profound and challenging messages about the state of our world, about climate change, about the choices and realities in our lives that do not give us life, about oppression and uncertainty, doubt and fear. When we walked out of the theater, I was so gripped by the story, 
and the music played on an endless loop in my head. I couldn't quite figure out what it was that had a hold of me so tightly. And so I went back to see it again two days later. <laughs> this time, taking Max. And we sat in the last two rows of the highest balcony. We were as far away as you can get and still be in the theater. But as I sat and watched this tragedy unfold again, and watched it not only with my eyes, but through the eyes of my 10-year-old son, I began to hear and see how I think Jesus understands the world and is able to love us even in the midst of the tragedies that we create. Now I said, no, that sounds a bit weird. <laughs> Greek mythology, Jesus, two different things. I understand I'm still your Presbyterian pastor. Don't worry. I just deeply believe that there is something to learn and understand in every story, no matter its origin. And often when I open myself up to learn about ideas and experiences from outside my own bubble, which includes the, tradition, the Christian tradition, it not only helps me understand the richness and beauty of the world better, but it also deepens my understanding and ponderings and connection to God. It challenges me in the best way possible. I didn't want to watch a tragedy for date night, just like I don't want to turn on the news in the morning. I know as soon as I turn on the radio or open the newspaper, I will be bombarded by stories of pain and sorrow and fear and hate and death and ugliness and discord. Each day, there's a new round of these stories and more people whose lives are affected by them. The hardest part of experiencing trauma in my own life, some of which I was literally sitting on the spot of this morning, is that it opened my eyes. And it broke my heart open even wider to understand the breadth and the depth of trauma in our world and the sheer number of people who are experiencing it at so many levels and in so many ways. And that knowledge is enough to take a person down. But God hasn't let go of me. And God hasn't let go of you. God keeps calling me, calling us to love one another and to love this world. And so at the end of this play, as Hermes is singing painfully about this tragedy that we have all witnessed together, he says, it's an old song. And that is how it ends. That is how it goes. Don't ask why, brother. Don't ask how. That is how it goes. And then he turns to the audience, and he looks, I mean really looks, at the audience and says, it's a sad song, but we sing it anyway. Because here's the thing. To know how it ends and still begin to sing anyway, as if it might turn out this time. I learned that from a friend of mine. Now, I honestly don't know who that friend was because I don't know that much about Greek mythology, but those words gripped me, and I realized how much hope they instilled within me. They helped me to see, like Peter and John and James, just a little bit of that glow of Jesus.
Again, I'm not melding Greek mythology and Christian theology. I get those are different. But the beauty of art is that it opens our minds and helps us to see differently. And when an artist's words hit you, they hit you. And Hermes sings, see, Orpheus was a poor boy, but he had a gift to give. He could make you see how the world could be in spite of the way that it is. The Lord said to Samuel, God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into their heart. See, Jesus was a poor boy, but he had a gift to give. He could make you see how the world could be in spite of the way that it was. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's a love song with a tale of love from long ago. It's a sad song, but we keep on singing even so. It's an old song, a tale from way back when, and we're going to sing it again and again. We're going to sing. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Jesus believes that the kingdom of God can be present here on earth as it is in heaven. He believes that it will come about through and with all of us, saints and sinners alike. He points us to the ways in which God continues to sing that old and often sad song again and again and again because it is a love song between God and God's people. And God knows it will turn out. Jesus embodies this song, this song that leads to tragedy and even his death. But it's a love song, so it doesn't end there. This song continues to resurrection and new life and a new promise that God is with us through all of it and can see beneath the grit and the grime that this world has laid upon us and the muck that we can create. God sees deeper than that. God can see the glow in each one of us. What would it take for us to see it too? We're never going to do it as well as God. We know that. But what would it take to look at each other and to really see one another? Friends, we're walking around in this world in the midst of all of God's beloved children, in the midst of a love song that God is singing again and again and again. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Alleluia and amen. amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.